the Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitudes of the isles be glad. Clouds and darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. A fire goes before him and burns up his enemies round about. His lightnings lighten the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. Let all be put to shame who serve carved idols, carved images, who boast of idols. Worship him, O you gods. Zion hears and is glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. For you, Lord, are most high above all the earth. You are exalted above all gods. You who love the Lord hate evil. He preserves the soul of his saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is shown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. is about hate. I hope that after you hear this message, you leave filled with hate. We need to be good haters. Our text is verse 10 of Psalm 97. You who love the Lord hate evil. Hate evil. The Hebrew of verse 10 is more forthright than most modern translations. It says simply, lovers of the Lord hate evil. Interpreters who believe that the exhortation to hate evil is out of place at this, at this point will alter the text and arrive at a mild platitude, the Lord loves those who hate evil. Revised Standard Version. The Lord refers to the Son of God, the Lord Jesus. It's cited in the first chapter of Hebrews. The first chapter of Hebrews presents a testimony of the supremacy of Jesus over the angels. Verse 7 of this psalm, Psalm 97, is loosely quoted in verse 6 of chapter 1 of Hebrews. He brings the firstborn into the world. He, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, But all the angels worship him. 
Psalm 97 is dealing with the second coming of Christ, when all the people will see his glory, and how we are to live in light of the day of judgment when our Lord returns. Therefore, you who love the Lord hate evil. Hebrews chapter 1 goes on in verses 8 and 9 to quote Psalm 45 verses 6 and 7 and speaks of the contrast between the angels and the Son of God by declaring concerning the Son the scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness in the ancient world the scepter was a symbol of royalty and monarchy why does Jesus have a scepter of righteousness? Jesus, as the King of Kings, has this symbol because he loves righteousness and he loathes evil and lawlessness. The hatred of Jesus for evil confronts our society and ourselves. Concerning our society, social analysts have sifted through reams of research and have concluded that the American view of God may be summarized as moralistic, theistic deism. Moralistic, therapeutic deism. Moralistic, therapeutic deism. God is viewed as a combination as a divine butler and a cosmic therapist. In other words, God exists to do our bidding and to make us feel okay. Our society has a lot of hate, but little concerning about hating evil. Concerning ourselves, we do not naturally hate evil. We love sin. We are intrigued by the wrong in other people, and we do not want to depart from the sins in our own lives that we are practicing. We must learn to hate sin. We will if we know God. If you know God, you will hate sin simply because it is contrary to his character. Richard Sibbs born 1577, died 1635, an English Puritan, often thought about the nature of human personality and how we should can examine ourselves profitably. He observed that hating sin is a proof of our conversion. Therefore, it's important that we loathe and hate sin from the heart. Sims wrote, A man may avoid evil and evil action from fear and out of other respects, but that is not sincerity. Therefore, look to thy heart and see that thou hate evil and let it come from a sincere look to God. Psalm 97 verse 10 tells that if we love the Lord, we will hate what he hates. 
particularly, we will hate what is opposed to him. Evil is anti-God. If we love God, then we will hate evil. The love of God and the hatred of evil are two sides of the same coin. We love because we hate. Let me illustrate. If someone breaks the heart of your friend, you would feel anger against that person because you love your friend. It is your love for your friend that makes you so angry. If someone hurts your husband, your wife, your child, you would not greet it with a shrug of the soldiers and a tolerant smile. You would be enraged in the depths of your being. Why? Because you are a loving person. Because you love, you hate that which injures or opposes the one you love. We are to hate what God hates. For example, Zechariah chapter 8 verse 17 records, Let none of you think evil in your heart against your neighbor, and do not love a false oath, for all these things I hate, says the Lord. The Lord says of the house of Israel in Amos 5, verse 15, Hate evil, love good. This is not just an Old Testament doctrine. If it was, it would still be true and applicable. Nonetheless, it is reinforced for us in the New Testament. In Romans chapter 12, verse 9, Paul speaks about love. He says, let love be genuine. And how does he continue? Abhor what is evil. Abhor. The Greek word that translates abhor means to have a vehement dislike for, to hate strongly. Hate strongly what is evil. Revelation 2, your pastor has been preaching through Revelation, he has mentioned what Jesus has said to the church in Ephesus and in Pergamos. Revelation 2 records Jesus Christ that he hates the deeds of the Nicolaitans in Ephesus, verse 6, and hates the doctrine of the Nicolaitans in Pergamos. The actions and the teachings of the Nicolaitans are hated by Jesus Christ. It is necessary to hate. It is also dangerous, very dangerous. It's like a sharp knife. A sharp knife is a useful instrument, it's valuable, it has deadly potential if you don't handle it properly. Hatred is like that. Hatred can be a good thing, a cleansing thing, a godlike thing. 
It can also be terribly dangerous. We need safeguards for hatred. This is a pastoral and a thematic message. Our focus is on the exhortation, you who love the Lord, hate evil. Let's think about five perspectives in which we can hate that glorify the Lord and help our souls. These are ways in which we can hate without cutting and stabbing ourselves. Our hatred must be pervasive, principled, positive, practical, and personal. First, our hatred must be pervasive. We are not to be selective. We are to hate all evil in whatever form it comes. We are not to pick and choose. Everything that is described in the Bible about sin, we are to hate. Sin is lawlessness. Now, some sins are easier to hate. We hate them naturally, the sins of murder, the sins of theft. No normal person defends these things. Most people regard these as awful and undesirable. We dislike them. We are against them. It's easy to hate these things. There are other things that are not so clear. About these, we tend to make allowances or excuses, especially when it suits us. For example, the sin of gossip. What a corroding and destructive sin it is. It is malicious, unkind, untrue talk about the worst in others. How epidemic this can be among Christian people. How sweet those morsels of gossip are on our tongues. We can't wait to pass them on. Yes, we may not. The pious tone of voice and somber face. Didn't you hear that about her? Oh, isn't it awful? But inside a little demon is jumping up and down and clapping with glee. What about malice? What about selfishness? What about pride? What about assuming the worst in others? Let me give you an illustration. There was a lady with a black poodle dog. The dog was one of the nastiest, vicious brutes you have ever seen. The dog was a horror. And this old lady loved it. If you saw her hands, there would be scratch marks and bite marks on it. But she never said anything bad about the dog. It was her dog. She loved it. It was her pet. It could do no wrong. We treat some sins like that dog. We domesticate them. We tame them. They're ours. We're used to them. They've been in our hearts for a long time. We don't see how nasty and ugly they are. We're blind to them. We are not to do that to sin. Remember the catechism? Shorter Catechism 14. Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. Shorter Catechism 84. 
Every sin deserves the wrath of God and curse, both in this life and that which is to come. No exception. Heidelberg Catechism 10, God is terribly displeased with our inborn as well as our actual sins and will punish them in just judgment in time and eternity. One of the most clear quotes is from Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry said, Never did God's hatred of sin appear so conspicuous as it did in the sufferings of Christ. Never did God's hatred of sin appear so conspicuous as it did in the sufferings of Christ. We must hate all sin in whatever form it comes, under whatever guise, under with whatever excuse, and however culturally acceptable it is, no matter how many things are acceptable in our circle. Evil is our enemy. Our hatred must be pervasive. Second, our evil must be principled. Someone becomes a good hater, perhaps too good. We begin to confuse hatred of evil with hatred of those involved with evil. This is a delicate and difficult distinction to make. Psalm 5 verse 5 says, The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. Psalm 139 verses 12 verses 21 and 22 says, Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. How are we to understand these assertions? The psalmist is able to hate people in a godly way. That is not easy to do. We are certainly to hate sin with all of our hearts. If we fall into hating those involved in sin, there is a danger of displeasing God. There's a danger of being too harsh and self-righteous. There's a danger of cutting ourselves off from others. However, it is a lie to say, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. What about the case of Esau and Judas? There is a real sense in which God hates sinners. Psalm 7 verse 11 declares, God is a just judge and God is angry with the wicked every day. Is it possible for us to do so righteously? Are we too sinful ourselves? Remember that during our Lord's earthly ministry, he was accused of being a friend of tax collectors and sinners. 
not just converted sinners, not just repentant sinners. His enemies said, this man receives sinners and eats with them. No human being ever hated sin more passionately, intensely, and utterly than the Son of God. He hated evil more than anyone has ever hated evil. And no one ever loved sinful people more passionately than he. And they knew it. We must work to balance hating sin and expressing concern for the well-being of the sinner. Are there times when it is right to hate the sinner as well as the sin? We are to hate sin in its principle, in its essence. Think of it this way. And because we love people, we love people who are sinning. We see what sin is doing to them or will do to them. We see what they will have to answer on the day of judgment. We see the guilt that rests on their soul. We see the fearful, fearful reckoning that is ahead of them because of their sin. And we see people deeply involved in sin. Let's not be too quick to dismiss and to dislike. Let us feel a deep measure of pity and concern. That is who we are apart from God's grace. The only difference between them and us is that Christ has had mercy on us. Yes. Our hatred must be pervasive and principled. Yes. Third, our hatred must be positive. Yes. Proverbs 8 verse 13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The verse we're looking at, Psalm 97, verse 10, is, You who love the Lord hate evil. The context is, You who love the Lord. Because you fear and love the Lord, and as you fear and love the Lord, therefore you hate evil. In other words, our hatred of evil springs out of our love for Christ. Negative thinking damages us. It makes us sour. Some Christians are obsessed with the presence and power and pollution of evil. What they say is true, but it is also spiritually dangerous to focus on the evil runs the risks of being self-destructive and cynical and sarcastic and judgmental. The milk of human kindness curdles in us. Rather, we are to fall in love with our Lord. We are to fill our hearts and minds with the holiness and purity of Jesus Christ. We are to study him. We are to observe him. We are to think more and more about him. We are to seek to become closer to him. We are to become more and more like him, more filled with the fruit of the Spirit. As we do, we will change in a good way. We will become more sensitive to evil. It will be more offensive to us and more hateful. Yet it will be a more gracious hatred. It will be a healthy and a positive hatred. It won't corrode our character. It's like a porcelain jar that holds hatred. 
the hatred doesn't spill over and disfigure us because it is in the context of love for the Lord Jesus. Our prayer ought to be, help me, O Lord, to love you more so that I may hate what you hate. Our hatred must be pervasive, principled, and positive. Fourth, our hatred must be practical. It's a spiritual law that any emotion that is not expressed in action will become blunted over time. Suppose you are challenged by the Word of God. It speaks to you. Your conscience is pricked and you are rebuked. However, you do nothing. It happens again and you do nothing. Eventually, you will cease to be challenged. If emotional nerves are abused, disregarded, and misled for so long, then they won't react any longer to any stimuli. And this is true of our hatred of evil. If it remains only a feeling and emotion, it will die. We will need greater stimuli to arouse us. Eventually, you can look at a horror <coughs> with a shrug of the shoulders. This is happening in our society. Think of what is being done to unborn babies. Who cares? I regret to ask you to think about abortion, but I'm asking to make you angry. It is the most severe instance of child abuse. Why are people not outside abortion clinics protesting against the slaughter of innocent babies? What's wrong with us? We live in a society where people have lost the capacity for moral indignation. Illustration. William Wilberforce, born 1759, died 1833. The British politician, philanthropist, and leader of the movement against the abolition, the movement for the abolition of the slave trade. In the DVD, Amazing Grace, follows his courageous quest to end the slave trade. It took him 20 years. <coughs> Wilberforce hated slavery. He was passionate when he thought of what was being done to his fellow human beings for the sake of money. The issue possessed him. He hated the evil of racial slavery. Part of the problem of the church today is that we don't hate evil. We have been seduced into thinking that we have to be nice and tolerant to all. We are never expected to get angry about anything. However, there are horrors there are monstrosities such as child molesting, human trafficking, pornography. Whenever we can, we should do something. The issues involved are complex and huge. Often there is little we can do. We can pray, but often there is little practical action that we can take about the evils in the world. 
in this psalm, Psalm 97, we see God hating evil and doing something about it. Look at verse 3. A fire goes before him and burns up his enemies round about. In verse 7, let all be put to shame who serve carved images, who boast of idols. This is part of the motivation for missions. Missionaries hate the evil of unbelief and idolatry and spiritual darkness. This is part of the movement for Christian social reform. We are called to be soldiers that make war against evil. How are we talking about how we can fight? Do you show your love for the Lord by hating evil? What are you doing about it? Our hatred of evil must be pervasive, principled, positive, and practical. Fifth, our hatred of evil must be personal. If we hate evil, we will hate it most of all in ourselves. It's comparatively comfortable to focus on evil in other people. It makes us feel good and righteous. But what about my own heart? What about your thoughts? What about your words? Proverbs 6 verses 16 through 19 warns, these six things the Lord hates Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift in running to evil. A false witness who speaks lies. And one who sows discord among the brethren. The Lord hates. In Psalm 19, verses 12 and 13, David writes about sin. He said, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep your servant back from presumptuous sin. David emphasizes three levels of personal sin. Simple errors of ignorance, hidden faults of weakness, and willful sins of defiance. As David analyzes sin, he starts with simple errors. The Hebrew word means things that we do wrong without meaning to and without wanting to. They are mistakes that we make. We fall short. We don't come up to the standard. These are our simple errors of ignorance. David says that there is more than errors. He brings up hidden faults. One writer says, these are not which are so small to see, but sins that are too characteristic 
to register. They are so much a part of us. They are so common. We do them every day. We don't even see them anymore. Daily hidden faults of weaknesses. David goes on more seriously to speak of presumptuous sins, of willful sins. He is talking about deliberate, conscious disobedience. I know this is what God wants me to do, but I don't want to do it, and I'm not going to do it. Or, I know this is what God says not to do, but I'm going to do it. I don't care what God says, I'm going to disobey Him. All three types of sins are in us. Stupid errors, we don't mean to fall short, we just do. Hidden faults, the sins we don't notice because they are so much a part of us. Willful sins, we deliberately determine to disobey God. We are not good people. We commit errors. We have hidden faults. We sin openly. You must hate personal sin. To hate personal sin, think about three simple points. First, personal sin you can most easily find. It's within you. Look within. Second, personal sin you can most easily deal with. There's a lot of evil in the world that you can't do much about. But the sin within me I can do something about by the grace of God. If I hate evil, here is where I will begin. I will deal with the evil within me. Third, personal sin is that which no one else in the world can deal with but you. Perhaps God will raise up others to deal with social evils. But there's only one person who can deal with the evil in your heart. No one else can do it. If you don't deal with it, it will never be done. Here is where our hatred of evil is to begin. Personal sin is most easily found, most easily dealt with, and only you can deal with it. Your heart is where hatred of evil is to have its chief focus. If you start hating evil in yourself, you will be kept safe. This will keep you honest, humble, and humane. Let me set a test before you. Can you accept and be grateful for someone pointing out one of your faults, errors, or sins in your life? Can you be grateful? Can you thank someone who identifies your mistakes, your deceptions, or your transgressions? If not, then you love yourself more than you love the Lord. You hate being hurt more than you hate evil. To hate evil is costly. It makes us vulnerable at times. Our hatred of evil must be pervasive, principled, positive, practical, and personal. Hate evil. There's a great promise at the end of verse 10. Psalm 97 verse 10. He preserves the souls of his saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. 
that, that's more than a promise that he will keep us from harm. It's a promise of final deliverance from evil. <laughs> the words of the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from evil, will be completely answered. The Lord will save us from what we hate. We will enter heaven, the world of love forever. You who love the Lord hate evil. As you leave today, are you filled with hatred? Do you hate evil? Bow with me in prayer. Father in heaven, give us wisdom, give us grace. Remember the words of our Lord. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and do not consider the plank in your own eye? We remember that just after the psalmist said how he hated those who did evil, that he immediately, as it were, fell on his knees and said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Father, we pray that you would open our eyes to things in our hearts, in our lives, that are just wrong attitudes, habits, conscious disobedience, neglect of duty. We have perhaps grown so familiar with them that we don't see them in their ugliness. Show us our sin, O God, that we may seek and find your forgiveness. Help us to hate evil in ourselves. Father, come more like Help us to walk this narrow path of being men and women of love and compassion for others and yet passionate and convicted about hating evil and loving holiness. Oh Lord, we need your wisdom. We need your strength. We need your help to hate evil. This is glorifying to you. It is pleasing to you. We are asking for something that you will give us. It will be good for our church and for our world, and it will please our Savior. So we ask confidently in Jesus' name, cause us to hate evil. In Christ's name, amen.